0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Franco Observer. I am your host, Jason Rudy. Um, I am a filmmaker, a artist, a former wrestler, and a film editor, film writer. Um, I am in my 40s and uh, I've been aware of Franco for about 20 years and um, I first got into watching Franco films because of Christopher Lee. Uh, So I saw the Fu Manchu films that Franco did and Count Dracula and then um, Eugenie and uh, those movies like that, of that era. But I wasn't really too much of a Franco fan. I didn't really appreciate his style as much. I thought he was a little too cheap, a little too low budget for me. But then um, about two years ago or so... I started getting back into Franco and uh, something just clicked. I really liked um, She Killed an Ecstasy and Vampiros Lesbos. And, uh, I don't know, I just and sold Admiranda. I first got back into his films and saw her and discovered her. And then uh, Lina Romay after that. Then from then it was on. So then I started collecting. Um, I have I uh have quite a few of his films now. I think the last count was at 79... 77 or 79. Anyway, I don't have my notes in front of me before that, but... uh, Yeah, so, it became an obsession to start collecting his films, because as a filmmaker myself, who did films from 2005 or so to about uh, 2017, 2018, I took a break, kind of got burned down a little bit because of uh, just putting out things and getting less and less response over the years with films like a lot of directors do you just put out a body of work and then over time less people kind of get into it or whatever anyway so I took a little break and then uh, started getting flooded with ideas again recently and went out and bought new equipment and uh, started writing scripts again and basically in about the span of a month, had about four or five ideas, and wrote fully completed scripts on uh, two, two of the features, and then two of the shorts, and uh, going get, to get ready to do one of the fifth ones coming up here probably next month. Um, by the time we re- listen to this, it'll be about that time, um, before the end of 2020. So anyway, um, but yeah, I really became into... Uh, watching Franco because it was just really cool to see how he was doing certain ideas and his output, how fast he put out films and, uh, what he was able to do with the amount of money and, and shooting fast and, and, uh, doing a lot of handheld things. And, you know, and then of course the drawbacks are his overuse of the zooms and, and things like that. But, but yeah, so, uh, he, uh, Became sort of a uh, teacher to me through watching interviews of his, watching his films, taking notes, and uh, I decided to write a script um, inspired by *She Killed an Ecstasy* that I did called uh, *Vision of Fury*, um, because I just thought that was such a great concept of uh, the female avenger, which is a concept that I've used before in past films and. I went, went through his body of work to see themes and things. So, anyway, that's who I am. And um, yeah, I'm a filmmaker and fan of his. And uh, my, this podcast, The Franco Observer, will basically be myself on the audio podcast that you'll listen to. Uh, each episode will focus on one just Franco film. And um, I will watch the film and review the film and go over any facts and, um, cast credit, all that, all the credits and stories about what's going on through different, uh, things that I've observed and also through sources that I've been reading off of the internet mm-hmm. and also, um, two really great books. Uh, the first is, uh, murderous passions mm-hmm. volume one the uh, de- cinema the delirious cinema of Jess of Jesus Franco volume 1 by Stephen thrower and then he did flowers of perversion which is a delirious cinema of Jes Jesus Franco volume 2 um, yeah so Jesus Franco Je- Jesus Franco is his full name a lot of was a lot of times he was called Jess Franco um, he also directed under various aliases uh, I am was it? I am laser or Jay laser and, and Clifford Brown and different uh, ones. And we'll discuss that as we go through different films in which there is different aliases. But, um, yeah. So for this, um, is the intro for the film. Um, his cinema ran for quite a long time and he did quite a few outputs of films of output of films. Um, definitely over 100 not, some say over 200 but I don't think it's that high there is definitely a weird number of his films to count because some films came out under different versions and are titled different things um, like The Female Vampire and Erotic Kill or um, Exorcism and I forgot what the alias of that one is but um, yeah so anyway so so it's kind of hard to have a count of, of all those things, but so, uh, so yeah, so this first episode, um, is going to be a audio episode and then it will cut to, uh, a video segment and audio portion with the first guest, Eric Whitwell. Uh, Eric Whitwell is a friend of mine who is a actor in, um, a few of my past films such as, um, love blade and um, Mondo Sacramento and uh, quite a few other ones. Uh, <laughs> I forgot off the top of my head, but yeah, but definitely he's in uh, Desires of Dawn and Mondo Sacramento, Mondo Sacramento too. Um, yeah. Love blade and, and everything. So, but yeah, so, and he's our first guest. Uh, we recorded uh, that portion before I recorded this, the intro. Um, and um, in that Also, too, as a uh, correction, uh, in that part I had mentioned that uh, Klaus Kinski worked with Franco twice, and I had a lapse of uh, memory there because actually he did work with him four times, not twice. So Klaus Kinski works with him in this, the first episode where we review Count Dracula. He works with him in Count Dracula. He worked with him later on in 1976 in Jack the Ripper, and then he worked with them before, and um, Venus and Furs and uh, Justine. So he worked with them four times in his career, not twice. So that's a correction that you'll hear later. And um, but yeah. So anyway, um, this is the intro to that. Uh, so the first episode is Count Dracula, and Count Dracula was made by Jess Franco, and um, it was shot in October to December 1969. And it played in West Germany in April of 1970. Um, It played in the USA in July 15th of 1973, uh, like three years later, only on a TV print. So I'm not sure what was edited. It's not a very graphic film. So... um, I don't know, they might have just edited some of the staking scenes, maybe, I would guess, if if that. But it's almost pretty safe to actually play on TV, so it might have been uncut, who knows. Um, yeah, so for the film, um, the uh, credits, uh, Christopher Lee, of course, is Count Dracula. Herbert Lom is Professor Van Helsing. Klaus Kinski plays Renfeld. Maria Rome is Mina. Frederick Williams is Jonathan Harker. Soldad Miranda is Lucy Western. Jack Taylor is Quincy Morris. Paul Mueller is Dr. Seward. Franco Castellani is Seward's orderly. And Jesus Franco, Jess Franco plays the attendant in the Van Helsing Clinic. Um, upon debut of the film the film was actually a commercial flop um a lot of the critics bashed it a lot of people were there was a hype before it was made or before it premiered i should say and um, a lot of people felt that the film didn't live up to the hype um but yeah both of us reviewed it and were favorable above it um about it um over time people have grown to like it more you know um, it's definitely shot in a, the hammer style, even though Jess Franco didn't really have a favorable opinion on hammer films. It definitely borrows from the look of it and the style and, and, and of course, Christopher Lee and all that and, and Herbert mom. Um, yeah, w- uh, we enjoyed it, you know, thought it was great and everything is, it was, is it was a good first episode that's being recorded close to Halloween of the year 2020. Um, but yeah, Jess Franco, uh, From what I read in in the Murderous Passions book, um, they basically spent most of the money on the production when Christopher Lee was there and put on the better production value and spent more money on this food and wine and, and the settings and the sets and shot everything up to his standard. And then after he left, the production value went way down and they rushed a bunch of things and Jess Franco had to shoot a lot of stuff handheld. That's why you see some of the zooms in the beginning, the overabundance of them, and the quick kind of shooting style of him, which uh, kind of pulls the film down a little bit. But as a filmmaker, when you got to have a deadline, a schedule, and the producers, I'm sure they had a certain date they wanted it out, looked like before the end of the year from when everything was going. Um, that's what you got to kind of do, you know. So, yeah, so when you watch it, consider that, you know, um, all that stuff that they were going through. Definitely check it out, Count Dracula, Jess Franco. Um, the Severn Blu-ray is probably the way to go. Uh, I noticed on the dark, so- the dark, uh, on the Dark Sky Films release. Um, reading through the book, that they had mentioned that uh, there were some cut scenes on the version that, that I watched. Um, let's see, where is it? So, in the book, murderous passions, they write the dark side, Dark Sky DVD release of Count Dracula which comes up on screen as Le Noche de Dracula is missing between 10 and 17 seconds of material from the opening shot, which ought to pan from a winter woodland at Dracula's castle. Also missing is a title card announcing Transylvania, 1897. More importantly, the the print omits a scene in which a gypsy woman stands outside the castle walls pleading for Dracula to return her baby. As a result of this omission, the baby turns up as a non-sequitur when Dracula gives the infant to the female vampires as replacement for Harker. Other differences include a blue tint to the scenes during the carriage journeys, while a shot of gypsies carrying the empty coffin of Dracula seen from the window of Harker's room at Count Dracula dark and undecipherable on video is now brightened up considerably and accompanied by a music cue stolen from Mikos Rosas' score for Spellbound. The end credits add a stream of Italian names purely to fiddle the Italian co-funding arrangements. This is, therefore, the Italian version in all but title card. So yeah, so... So yeah, so that version by uh, Dark Sky Films is that cut... Uh, the Severn put out a DVD and a Blu-ray. Um, I had heard that that print's kind of dark, but I'd never saw it, so um, I don't know. Check it out. So, uh, I think in the future for future episodes, uh, I will let you know where to get each versions of films, and maybe have an Amazon link, and uh, so you can order through the Amazon link to support the show. But, uh, but yeah, this one, I know you can get the Dark Sky DVD at uh, eBay and the, uh, Severin D Blu-ray and DVD through the Severin films websites or the, uh, Amazon website would have the Blu-ray and I believe the DVD as well. So check them out and, uh, check out the books as well. Delirious Fashions" and flowers of perversions by Stephen thrower. Um, also too, um, the, uh, Christopher Todd of John put out a book, just Franco the world's most dangerous filmmaker. It's good. It's like a bunch of essays on, um, his films. Um, it's something cool to kind of read before you want to watch the show to see if you might like it or whatever before you want to order it or therefore, uh, there's also some of his films on Tubi, on eBay. I'm sorry on Tubi, on, uh, YouTube and on Amazon prime as well. So check them out. And, uh, yeah, listen to episode two and, uh, we'll be deciding soon what episode two will be, but they'll be out probably once, twice a month, maybe more, but that should be about the total. Um, we'll see if you like it, let other people know about it. I'm going to have a, a Instagram, uh, site for it and, uh, Facebook and everything else for the Franco observer. So once again, I'm Jason Rudy and, uh, thank you for listening to the Franco observer. And this is a. An- honor of jess franco good night welcome to the franco observer i am your host my name is jason rudy and on this first guest i welcome uh my guest uh eric whitwell hey um basically the concept of this first test show as you can plainly hear as we work on new equipment Uh, Got it down pat. Yeah. So, this first episode of uh, The Franco Observer was recorded in October of 2020. And uh, the concept of the show is to basically have a person who's a Just Franco fan like myself um, pick a movie to show a friend of mine, um, another artist, uh, another filmmaker, another creative type, just Franco film that they've never seen or that they're unfamiliar with. So hopefully through there you gain either a Franco fan or somebody that doesn't like his films. <laughs> so uh, with this first film, this first episode, I decided to choose uh, my friend Eric, who... Uh, was available and willing to be in this first episode to work with and to watch Franco and knew a little bit about him and stuff, so he's a good first person to have on the show. Um, and he's a Klaus Kinski fan like myself, so we've showed Klaus Kinski movies during our movie nights in the past. So I figured I would start with uh, Jess Franco's probably most mainstream film, maybe, besides Venus and Furs, and that would be Count Dracula uh filmed in october 1969 uh between uh october and december of 69 and released in april of 1970 um before we go over the cast and everything i'll just uh throw a quick question to eric eric did you like it or did you dislike it or what was your general opinion of the film
1: no actually i really liked it um i like the pacing like the the cinematography the shots were really beautiful um, yeah, I mean the costumes the the clothing everything like it was it was really yeah I, I really enjoyed it actually I really enjoyed it I was a little disappointed that there there was no nudity right I was a little right. disappointed, yeah but <laughs> For yeah, well,
0: we'll we'll go over that on the checklist portion of where we go over the, yeah, the, yeah. the highs and no, lows not, or, right. or what yeah. we liked or disliked or stuff. And, no, but I and thought it was really it. good. I
1: thought it was really, really good. I did dig it. I did dig
0: it. So for this first film, the Count Dracula, um, this was the last film he did with, well, actually not the last one because he did films with him many years later. He did one with Christopher Lee, but this was his last film for a while with Christopher Lee um christopher lee agreed to do this film as he was doing the hammer dracula films and he was tired of being dracula but he did it because he believed at the time that it would be the most faithful to the bram stoker novel of which he was a of course a big dracula fan and he got to wear the mustache as dracula which was a big selling point for him um i thought he was really good in it of course because he knew how to play dracula he's very theatrical he's a very leading presence uh He's very strong on camera, of course, and he's got the great voice to carry it through. And, and of course, he, by this point, he already knows what he's doing, being Dracula. So,
1: so the mustache was a selling point?
0: Well, for him, yeah, okay. because I think... Because all the Draculas at that time were clean-shaven. You yeah. had, like, Bela Gosi and yeah. Christopher Lee and uh, Nosferatu, Max Schreck had no facial hair and yeah. all the other... The hammered good guys that were in the other the vampires had no facial hair it was very little guys i think had facial hair at that time that were vampires so and in the book he has a full mustache dracula and as we watch the mustache is a big part of the character because it changes it starts with white and as it goes through it gradually goes gray and then the brown and then the black and then the full black and you see that through his uh taking of lucy uh, as he goes on to the younger woman and drains the blood from her yeah. uh he gains her life as she loses her life of this part and as we notice dracula gets blacker as the film goes through and uh Renfeld and lucy uh get whiter and more pale and and more withdrawn so yeah it was a good kind of turning of a of the sands or whatever yeah. um right off the bat Watching it, Franco uses a lot of zooms uh, in this. Um, in the beginning, it was really zoom heavy. I think there was like four zooms in like the first like fifteen minutes or whatever. Yeah, um, that 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 was pretty funny. I thought yeah. you know,
1: so it was the, like a zoom and cutaway. Kind of <laughs> yeah, it was like zoom
0: really far into like. there's a scene where Maria uh, Rome's uh, Nina's pulling in. In a carriage, and they do this long zoom tour, and then they just cut to the other shot without even, I don't know, just like (laughs) totally waste. Like, why you just got to zoom just to zoom? Which you could have. See, but like, and as a filmmaker, I like Franco a lot because you kind of see some of the mistakes that I think he made, and other people think he made, Mm -hmm. but you also see a lot of really good ideas he had that were on a budget and and had to do something on the cheaper or something. And watching everything, you you learn from his films as I do. And there's a scene that when we were watching it, uh, there's a scene where a guy has to crawl out of a window from like really high distance in a castle. But when you don't have a lot of insurance, or I don't know what the situation was, or even for the safety of the actor, you don't want or to have a, um, a stunt man. The scene of him crawling out the window might be kind of dangerous. So he had a little set where he filmed crawling out the window, but you could see the black curtain or the wall where he was coming out of the window. It was supposed to be night. Yeah. And then they cut to another shot of a castle where he was already outside standing on the ledge. So, you know. I mean, it fulfilled its purpose, but you could see the certain mistakes. Oh, yeah. And, of course, the shadows of the uh, microphone. and <laughs> So the outdoor scenes in the beginning, they use this big floodlight to light the scene. And you can see the shadows of the microphone and the cameraman yeah. and stuff, which was kind of funny. Um, there's a scene in the beginning when they're in the carriage and there's trees going by. And you can see the wall behind the trees as the trees are just going around in a circle. It's probably somebody holding the trees running yeah. around and around and around yeah. uh, as, the, as the trees the bu- Yeah,
1: the bushes going.
0: Yeah. And the one side, it's like, okay, it passes. And then the other side, you can see there's like a curtain or a wall where it's up against it. And you're like, wait a minute. Why is this tree going around a circle against this <laughs> fucking wall? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Um, there's a cool scene where Dracula... Uh, shows up to pick up Jonathan when he first has the carriage and he offers him a drink and, and Jonathan passes and he says uh it gives both warmth and courage. Yeah. I thought that was a really fucking cool line. Yeah. Uh I'll have to go back and uh read the book now and see if that line's in the book or if that was a line that Franco put in. But
1: see I don't know, like at that point like he had already received so many warnings that this is not like the most uh desirable place to travel to. You know what I mean? Like so many people had like it, just that, the, the fact that, like I said, it gives warmth and courage. You know, like, you're going to need courage where you're going. Cause it's, yeah. Yeah.
0: But also, I thought it was just a very wise statement, and I thought oh, yeah. it was, no, like, absolutely. a really cool, like, holy shit, that's so fucking true.
1: Yeah.
0: In a beautiful way or in a sad way, whatever you want to look at it. But yeah. it's, like, it's cool, liquid courage, and, and and it does make you warm. If you're cold, you mm-hmm. take a shot of something, they say, warm me up, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely,
0: yeah. Um There's, uh, speaking of good stuff that I like that Franco did in the film, um, cool ideas, there's a shot where, uh, Jonathan is in the, uh, room after he comes to meet Dracula and, uh, and of course saying these scenes, if you haven't seen Dracula, they are spoilers of course, but I don't know, whatever you should see in Dracula by now, any of the versions of Dracula, where Jonathan Harker comes to visit Dracula, to, to uh, sell him on the new place where he's supposed to, cause in the book he was supposed to move next to him in London. And in the book, it starts off where Jonathan Harker goes off to London, uh, or I mean, goes off to see, goes off to Transylvania to see Dracula, to sell him the house next to his home um, by his boss, made him go do that and, and basically forces him to do this or he's going to lose his job. And that scene isn't in any of the Dracula movies that I've seen. And it may be in some, I'm sure, maybe, but I've never seen it. Um, But anyway, so in the movie, uh, there's a scene where he's trapped in the bedroom and he's trying to look at uh, Dracula outside. And Franco scratched in this dirty window, like, some clean parts of the window so he could look through. And there's a really good shot of, from the other side, seeing the eyeball go up to this kind of scratched part in the window. And then you see from Jonathan's point of view looking out to Dracula and it's like a clear shot of him standing there and it just... Both those shots back to back, yeah. with that little tool of just a window, dirty with just a little scratcher, you can see through and film through. It was a really good idea, I thought, and cheap, oh, yeah. and it added a cool style to it. You know,
1: no, I love I love the way he he framed certain shots. Like he used uh, whatever was around, like the like bedpost frames or chair frames, you know, and just the way he would frame people inside the shot. Was,
0: yeah, was when we were watching that, you were mentioning, like, yeah, yeah, he really frames his shots really well, and everything to yeah. is, he sets up his shots and frames in the beginning and the end, you know. And in, that, in this, I noticed, uh, I'm a big fan of lighting and of color lighting, yep. and he used a lot of cool color lighting with this. And uh, the lighting of Dracula, he used a... Um, um, a red light to kind of shine on him and not excessive but just a, a soft red light and uh with uh nina he shot her in orange and he shot some people with blues and, and he shot with all these different lights and dracula inside the coffin the lighting on his face to give him that red glow without any special effects or blood or that much coming out it, it looked really fucking cool for the small amount of money or no money that it took to make that shot you know yeah and that's what's important as a filmmaker as an artist is to watch other people like that that you can get ideas from or or figure out how they did something and and use that idea to your own advantage or 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 tool you know um this movie had a lot of his regular actors in it uh christopher lee at the time klaus kinski did two films with that and jack the ripper um and i think that's it, i'm not sure um but and then uh paul Mueller's in this and uh Herbert Lahm and um um Soldat Miranda, who are, of course is amazing, and um Maria Rome. Um so he had that full cast. Um we were both looking forward to Soldat Miranda, but I think um Maria Rome uh stepped up and uh kind of shined in in the movie, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, she was yeah, she definitely shone.
0: Yeah, she Alvar Shaw, She's was wearing amazing <laughs> clothes, she had her hair all done. She looked like Jane Fonda yeah. from Barbarella in a couple yeah. shots. He was like, wow, dude. and yeah. and yeah, she. But okay, so now we'll talk about the things that they waste. Um, they did good with Dracula, I thought. They oh, yeah, did good absolutely. with Hubert. Um, Herbert Lom is a, a Van Helsing. did really good. Really good. Um, uh, and uh, Paul Taylor uh, is good. And uh, Paul Mueller I thought was good as um Dr. Seward um but uh Klaus Kinski is huge because he's second billed as Eric had mentioned (laughs) and he has maybe one or two words he says if that and he basically just sits in a corner and just looks around and eats his flies and like and he probably shot a scene I'll have to look through uh uh Murderous Passion book um and uh, look through and see how many days they used to film him with because I would guess it probably two days, three days maybe is all you could film. With. Probably even less than that. If you were nowadays filming that, you'd film him in like half a day. You could probably oh, knock all the easy. scenes out. All he did was
1: look weird. Yeah, Like look weird in the corner and, or in the window seal. And, yeah. You know, eating the head off a of fly. You know, like, yeah, I mean, Klaus Kinsey is a very weird looking guy. You yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, so I guess he was perfect for that to look weird. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, Klaus
0: Kinski, like, that's a big name. That's a... Yeah, he had literally no dialogue, and he's somebody that could carry a film and had later on, but it's just like, you had him at a time, he's obviously a big star because he's second build, but then, like, you're just totally wasting him and just using him just for the name. Um, Yeah. Maria Rome and Sol D'Alberanda, of course, famous for being nude in pretty much most of the Jess Franco films they've been in. Of course, show not even a bra scene or nothing in this film.
1: Of course, you invite me for this one. <laughs> I know
0: for Eric. Eric, Eric didn't miss out on anything. So yeah, yeah, I
1: did use the restroom, and unfortunately, like even when I was using the restroom, there was no uh, yeah, no, no nudity. Scenes. That's true. I didn't think about
0: that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that you know, so yeah, for and and, for, and just Franco is usually nude in all of his. Or has to do with all of his films, so it's funny for a just Franco film to have like no nudity. But uh, you know, but yeah. So anyway, I chose Count Dracula too because it's the time of year. Like I was saying, this is recorded in October, uh, pretty much about a week before um, Halloween. So I figured it'd be cool to show Count Dracula right before Halloween. Um,
1: So it was released in 1970.
0: Yeah. So it was basically shot. It's uh, according to the um, "Murderous Passions" book by Stephen Thrower uh, that it was shot in. uh, What was it? October to December of sixty nine, and released in Germany in April sixty uh, in April of seventy. So it just turned
1: fifty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: shit. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, earlier this year. Yeah, that's crazy because uh, the colors of it look good. It, um, we watched the Dark Sky DVD version. Uh, there's also the Severin blue Severin Blu-ray release of it, and the Severin DVD copy. But uh, we did watch those. Watch the. Uh, Dark Sky one. Um, it has other features that we didn't watch. But uh, but yeah, the DVD looked good. Uh, it was shot in English, so Christopher Lee did all his own lines, didn't dub. Um, Herbert Long, everybody did all their own own lines, which which helps, you know. It's not somebody else's voice doing their stuff. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, but and uh, Jess Franco, of course, is in it. Jess Franco <laughs> plays the <laughs> carriage driver and just basically says yes and... Of course, and maybe one or two other words.
1: Yeah, it just stares at people awkwardly Yeah, for a while and then walks away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and tonight we're watching that. I told Eric that uh, Just Franco was the inspiration for Yoda, and he hadn't heard that right. before, so. Uh, but yeah, and he's like, oh, no, I can totally see it, you know. Oh, yeah, no,
1: yeah. What would you say that?
0: Yeah, you can totally see it. And of course you see him older, then that sells it, but uh so yeah, so um, that's gonna be this portion I think of the, um, the review of the film. Um, I don't know. I don't think. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know if you want to do uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, stars, grades, recommendation. I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: In the beginning, you told me you liked it, and you wrote down I why. Agree. I really liked it. Why um, you liked it? And everything. I, I I, I,
1: it was uh, for an older movie, like the. The scenes, the, the settings, the, the locations that they had were incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, the castles, the, the cathedrals, the, the, the archways. It was beautifully shot. Um, considering that it really had no violence, uh, nudity, um, there was nothing like over the top about it. It still kept you watching. It still kept you really like kind of glued to it. Um, it just had a, a really good pacing to it yeah that i that I enjoy you know always... even
0: during the taxidermy scene,
1: oh yeah, that was amazing <laughs> <laughs> just someone's in the back just shaking this out. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's a scene where Dracula turns all the taxidermy against uh, the invading uh, forces of uh, Doctor Van Helsing's crew, yeah. and uh, yeah, all the animals come to life. The taxidermy animals come to life.
1: <laughs> it showed the sturgeon with like cobwebs all over it, and then all of a sudden, I think it was like a ferret or something, like pops up in front. Yeah, of it, looks it does a little
0: shake and goes off to the side. Tells somebody holding the little animal going in and out of the camera. Yeah. That was pretty funny, and of course, yeah. Dracula's castle had tons of cobwebs. The other place had no cobwebs. There's a lot of contrast in the film, back and forth with colors and cleanliness, and you know, class yeah. and such. Um, but I
1: did like also like how you were saying, like uh, they shot him with like the reds and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I liked the way uh, you you saw like as Dracula. There was no explanation of it, but you, you saw it like how as he was drinking the blood, as once he started feeding, he became warm. Like he was like he was becoming yeah. warmer and warmer and just more full of life and like like you were saying like everyone else's colors just kind of got droned out and like they just kind of became paler and you know
0: Yeah, you know, now that you mentioned that like Belagosi when he played Dracula you never saw him get younger or stronger or whatever yeah. He just did his thing and Nosferatu just did his thing. He didn't get stronger or younger but in yeah. this one he definitely got youthful and and like got younger in appearance. And when he visited him by himself he was so old cuz he hasn't drank. He just had yeah. His women there, it was almost like, Dracula was like a pimp, and he had his three brides that he just <laughs> kept to this room, and they are all kind of junkies, and they were just kind of like, yeah. they had the new guy come in, they all fought over the new blood that came in, and then Dracula was like, that's mine, because I'm the boss, you yeah. know, and then, but I'll give you this, like, fresh baby that yeah, I just the found. In yeah. So they devoured the baby, you know, yeah. and then it's just like, wow, like, drug addicts, like, killing babies type thing, you know, the yeah. old voodoo thing, right now. Uh, the whole stories about addicts killing baby put in the microwave you know that bullshit so yeah so it's funny all the the whole um, baby thing but yeah so they're devouring the baby and then uh, Dracula just feeding off him, and then going into society and then doing his thing yeah. and, and feeding on the uh, sold out Miranda you know
1: sound effects were cool yeah sound effects <laughs> thank you
0: so, the music was good. Yeah, um, awesome. They use a lot of library stuff. There <debuted> you know, certain things that you would say, oh, yeah, I totally hear this in other horror movies. Yeah. Um, but Franco did some sound effects that were pretty good, but having an ear, we both would listen. That um, in the beginning, going into the forest, uh, Dracula's Forest, there's monkeys, there's <laughs> horses. Outside of the other horses, yeah. there's crows, there's uh, tropical birds, all these other things that wouldn't be in the region. But don't live together. Yeah. <laughs> Lions. And then when they're hammering the uh, stakes in, it's metal chinging sounds that wouldn't be from a wooden stake going into a body. Why yeah. would it be a chain or a rock sound? That didn't
1: make sense. Oh, so totally, yeah. Very metallic. Very metallic. Yeah. Even though they're using these wooden stakes into a wooden coffin of a human. With a human. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> there's not a single piece of metal anywhere. And it's like, Ting ding, Yeah, it was ding. pretty funny. Yeah.
0: And then uh, there's a couple other parts of the movie that we were laughing about with the sound effects that were just totally unnecessary <laughs> that were laid over that didn't fit the yeah.
1: monkey though that was hilarious that yeah the, yeah. of
0: like, <laughs> like what the fuck's a monkey doing <laughs> by Dracula's castle why
1: well, are monkeys screaming in the middle of the night
0: like yeah yeah the Transylvania forest is of monkeys. <laughs> so anyway. but yeah so that was pretty funny but uh but yeah yeah for Franco film uh for the many I've seen, but now for the first that I'm reviewing, it, it's, uh, that's about the second time I've watched Cat Dracula, and I enjoyed it, uh, yeah. I definitely liked it, Chris really was good and stuff, and, uh, and it's one that you can show people that you wouldn't be embarrassed to show, you know, it's a little slow in some spaces and stuff, but it's very faithful, and it's a good, uh, literary type of artistic film, of showing of, a, a famous novel filmed mm-hmm. for a screen, you know, like, yeah. something like that, you know, I thought it was good, and stuff. For
1: the first time having seen it, um and having seen other, you know, Dracula movies, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I definitely like watching it. I can see where, where they really took from the original story. Like you saw, like bits and pieces from these other movies being played out in, you know, just Franco's version of it. Yeah, you know, like different scenes, and you know, I was like, okay, I, I, okay, I recognize that. I recognize that scene. I recognize. Yeah, what's yeah, happening, yeah. you know? Yeah, like
0: you were talking about seeing something like uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula version and that, and then I yeah. saw the things in Velocosi's version and, then of course, other stuff, you know, which and yeah. used and stuff, so. So, uh... All right, well, that's going to be this part. Uh, you'll be listening either before or after this to uh, all the technical stuff of the film, who was in it, when it was filmed, all that good stuff. Uh, that's going to be taken from um, information and books and such and, uh, so, uh, thank you very much, Mr. Eric Whitwell, yeah, for coming on the show. That, that was a great movie. That was really and, a really fun movie to watch. Uh, I'm sure I'll ask you again to be a guest on another that's episode. that be awesome, man. All right, man. I, li-
1: I like the way you describe me, man. It, it, it kind of sounds like the way I describe women I date. Well, you know, he was available. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, you know. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I be totally transparent of that's who I am. Everybody's scared because of COVID, and, and, oh, which, yeah, which yeah. I totally understand and respect, but, you know, um... We're very clean people and do our yeah. thing and wear masks and clean and all that stuff. So, yeah, we're responsible on that as well. So, well, it's good to have people find a reason to hang out to watch movies with friends. So that's that's basically what it boils down to: is inviting people over to watch a movie and then talk about it. That was awesome, it. man. And that's that was, what we that was always we really were really doing good time, time but now that was a really good time, man. On, I like watching that on camera. So, you know, all right. So signing off for this portion. Thank you for listening.
1: Have a beautiful night. Beautiful, beautiful, night. Night. beautiful
0: nights. Beautiful nights.